Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week, I have a very unique guest. He was recommended by someone I've interviewed before, Kyle Stevens. This guy, not only is he a sponsored competition shooter and won C-Class at Production Nationals just a few weeks back, but he's also a pro MMA fighter. With that, Let's welcome in J.R. Crosby to the show. How you doing, J.R.? Doing good. How about yourself? Good. Good. This is exciting. We got all kinds of good stuff to talk about. Shooting, fighting, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. What else is there, right? Nothing. Really nothing. I'm covered. I'm good. (laughs) I just made a huge pot of stew. All right, so how I normally do this, JR, is we start with, uh, I'll start with some questions, kind of icebreaker things, get to know you, and then we'll get into the, the meat of the subject. All right. All right, so here we go. Question number one, your favorite movie. Ooh, favorite movie, that's a good one. Uh, I like anything action, anything comedy, so if I had to break it up, I'll pick two. I love the new John Wick series. That's one of my oh, okay. go-to. Obviously, I started in Three Guns, so... Those are, I'm a big go-to for those, but if I had to pick one, I'd go old school and uh, I'd go Happy Gilmore. <laughs> love some old, <laughs> I love some old, That's some old Adam Sandler comedy. The Price uh, is Wrong, Bob. Price is Wrong, Bob. <laughs> love that. Love uh, that movie. All that those movies, classic. that whole era from him. So, yeah, I can watch that movie on repeat and be completely fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one of his. All right, we found not a whole lot of people read these days. Um, but if you do, what is your favorite book? Oh, so I spend so much time in class, like I'm doing my doctorate right now. So I spend so much time reading for school that I don't read nearly as much as I used to. Um, but I love books. And when I was growing up, I was a Hardy Boys series fan. So I read those probably like the whole series a couple times. So as a kid growing up, it'd definitely be that. Um, but as an adult, uh, it'd definitely be a tie between uh, Lone Survivor and American Sniper. I think Chris Kyle and Marcus's books um, were just fantastic. So I think just how they wrote them, the story they did, and Guys that weren't even authors before, I think they did a fantastic job on those with their editors. So it would be a tie between those two for sure. Interesting. Okay. Definitely di- completely opposite again from the Hardy Boys series. So Yeah. yeah. I read, uh, I actually read a bunch of those and the Nancy Drew stuff when I was growing up as well. Yeah, I read those too. I enjoyed them. Um, I just remember, I don't know what, when I started reading those, but I was probably you know, like late elementary school and I read the whole series and then I probably read them again throughout middle school and did like, if I had a choice to like pick book reports and stuff on, that was definitely my, that was definitely my go-to if I had the choice growing up. So I, uh, yeah, I love those books. I always thought those would be like a cool series that they could make it, they've remade everything. So I'm like, I think that'd be a cool remake of a series or a, a show or something. Yeah, and and the thing is, is the they're very well written for kids of that late elementary, like fourth mm-hmm. grade up through you know tenth grade, um, where it's easy to digest 
and really follow the story, that's where I started picking up on my speed of reading because the stories were good, so they'd keep bringing you along and bringing you along. And Oh, yeah, they weren't overly complicated, but they were still, like, no. used like, critical thinking skills and everything really else. Really painted know. a picture so I could always visualize what everything looked like as I was reading. Yeah, I love yeah, I, I love that whole that whole series. So, do you ever read uh, any of the Mac Bolin, The Executioner? Yeah, it's been it's been a while. I was probably a freshman in college the last time I read I read that. So it's been almost ten years ago now, or ten years now. So, but it was a that was a good series. Uh, it had been high school for me, and I'm probably at least twenty years older than you. Mm. And it was probably two years ago. I was on. Um, I got something from Amazon about the books. Actually, it was uh, uh, I subscribed to BookBub, I think is what it's okay. called. Book, Book Hub or BookBub. But anyway, they always send every day, they send me like specials or, hey, these are free. And sure enough, the first three books in the Mac Bolin series were free downloads. So I went in there, downloaded them, read all three of them. Okay. <laughs> so it was it was awesome. I like I do more on audio now just because I'm always you know I'm on the road a lot and travel and stuff. So I love Jack Carr's any of his series. Like I think mm. he's fantastic. His books are just they're they're so well written and that guy does such a great job and he brings like realistic shooting and stuff into it too. So if you're a shooter that that makes it awesome. So uh, Jack Carr's are really cool. And then the Monster Hunter series is my other my other go to on audio book that I listen to. That's pretty. Uh, it's a good series. So I had some that sounds like a that sounds like a serial killer type of a hunter type of a thing. No, they're so they're it's a it's a unique series. It's pretty much based on there's monsters in the world. Like it could be vampires. It could be like werewolves. There's all these different types of like fantasy type uh, monsters. Okay. And this is like a special secret society that goes out and has to hunt them down and. Uh, all this different, but there, there are like several books in the series. I just started one of the first ones the other day and gave it a try because I'm not usually too big into the fantasy stuff, but or that style. But this this was really it, it got me it got me in. So next road trip, I'll be coming on in a few days. I'll be I'll be throwing that on and finishing it, seeing seeing how it does. So all right, yeah, you you have quite the varied taste in books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to I like to mix it up. You know, you get on the same thing all the time. It uh, gets a little mundane, so it, to mix it, it up, does. So. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you're into superheroes. The the third question we would normally ask is, if you have a favorite superhero, what is it? If not, then what would be like a favorite historical figure? Oh, growing, I was huge on the Batman's growing up, and I still watch all the new Batman's and stuff. So. If I had to pick one, it would be be Batman, hand, hands down. <laughs> now, why Batman? Because I liked him. He was a regular, even though he had all the crazy tech and all the crazy stuff. He was a he was like a normal guy that you know. Of course, he's got the cape and the suit and all the crazy cool gadgets, but it wasn't like a reg. It was a superpower. It was just a reg. He was a regular person, so that's why I always liked about him best. I think growing up or what drew me to him, and then. I always watched that growing up. Plus, they had all the martial arts and, you know, a lot more of that stuff in, in those movies growing up and fight scenes, which was obviously they drew me in. So that that seems to be the overall theme of everybody that 
depicts Batman is the fact that he's just a normal person, no right. superpowers, but through everything he does, he's able to do what he does. Mm-hmm. All right. Your favorite gun and caliber, but they don't have to be linked together. Like your favorite gun could be an MP5. Okay. Or And your favorite caliber could be 12 gauge. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Oh, that one's... That one's tough. <laughs> so I'm as inverse or as versatile in my my guns as I am in books. Probably worse. Like I've oh, there's been multiple occasions where I've left like a gun store with some kind of new high end, you know, type rifle. Like you know, like it could be like a collectible type one, like a Scar or like a Galil Ace, and then also walk down the counter and end up buying like a like a Ruger single six or something or Ruger Vaquero, like something completely in left field that are completely separate of each other. Um, but so, so that would be tough. Uh, favorite gun though. I still like shooting my ARs. Like I've used one for years, you know, working, shooting competition, all that kind of good stuff. So if I had to pick one gun, I just pick some kind of AR platform. And uh, I still hunt. I hunt with my ARs all over the place. I was just bear hunting in Georgia the other day, and I had my one of my 308s. And uh, I'm getting ready to go on a hunt, an Audad hunt in Texas. I'm taking my one of my 6.5 gas guns because it's light and handy and stuff. So, so I like the AR platform. But my favorite caliber, if I had to pick one, um, I would probably go with 10 millimeter. Believe it or not, I shot one growing up, and I grew up on a you know a ranch in South Florida, and we were always all we did was hunt and gators and hogs. And my dad actually had a license where he trapped gators and he had hogs, so we were always out and about. And that ten millimeter man was the thing's awesome. You could do anything from carry it for personal protection for two legged threats, or you could take it hunting and. You know, I wouldn't want to have to take down a bear with it, but, you know, they got good ammo out there where they, you know, there's been documents where people have and it's been successful. So um, that's such a cool caliber. And it's had like a rebirth over the years, last recently or last, you know, recent years. So um, that would be that would be my favorite caliber if I had to pick one, probably that I've used the most. Uh, yeah, I would say this episode is brought to you by Gun Butter. Gun Butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol. They have grease for parts that need it, like lugs on a bolt gun. Man, do I love a bolt gun. It's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, Look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it. After listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield, he loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shu uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. That's one of those calibers that, that tends to peak, and then mm-hmm. you don't hear much about it, and then it peaks again. It just, it, not that it goes away, but that it doesn't go away. Yeah, it just kind of hangs around. Hangs around. Yeah. I got a bunch of different guns in it, and I love shooting that thing. I've hunted with it and shot a bunch of different game and stuff with it. And anytime I go hunting, if I go to the mountains, if I go out west, and a lot of times, you know, if you fly, you know, it's a pain to fly multiple handguns. So I can just fly one of my 10 mils and 
it pretty much is going to cover be as versatile as a handgun i think as you can carry so okay now what what gun do you have that's in 10 millimeter uh so i got a glock 20 is my original one that i got back before i was even old enough to buy guns my dad got for me um i always loved it because it's 15 plus one and you know it's a glock so you can use it for a hammer you can use it for whatever you want and it's just going to go so i probably use mine for hammer hammer and fence post dropped it in duck boats and underwater i know for a fact i've dropped it in the water on several occasions uh so like completely submerged um so i've got a glock 2010 mil that's kind of like my old workhorse um got a really nice wilson combat 1911 we carry comp and stuff on it that I like carrying now, mm. shooting. So, because I'm kind of more into the 2011, 1911 esque hammer guns now, I shoot a lot of limited and everything. So, um, but also just ordered a KKM barrel and stuff to take one of my limited guns and uh, drop a new recoil spring and stuff and convert it over to like a 2011 10 mil. So that's my new 10 millimeter project. Wow. I'm excited about. Cool. So. It, you said hammer it. I gotta, I gotta go back and tell a quick story. So I'm, I'm a rifle guy, and um, I was at Quantico as an instructor, and the old Marine Corps Unertal scope that they used to have on the M40s, their sniper yep. rifles, the way Unertal, John Unertal, in there, yeah, yeah. So the way John Unertal won that contract was that scope had a steel um body to it and he literally pounded a nail into a desk and the scope never lost zero so they were like okay that's marine proof we'll take that <laughs> that's marine proof they can do it and then carlos <laughs> yep. and all those great vietnam era snipers were still using them on nothing more than freaking accurized hunting rifles and Making yep. crazy shots with them for years and years, making us look bad nowadays. <laughs> right. How good, how good those guys were and the shots that they, they were able to pull off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it, so I wanted the fifth question I usually ask is something a little bit more personal. Those are the general questions we ask everybody. But you touched on a little bit earlier that you're a PhD student, but you're also a karate black belt a brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt and i know you're currently training you hunt you fish how what are you getting your phd in and how in the world do you find time to sleep <laughs> i'll plug this charger in really fast because this this might take a second so let me get let me get that really quick so i'm going to re i'm going to restate the question so in addition to being a karate black belt bjj brown belt active practitioner in those um hunter and fisherman you're also a phd student i don't know where you find time to sleep <laughs> but what are you getting your phd in uh so i'm doing my uh doctorate of criminal justice and criminology so um i started out i did my bachelor's in criminal justice um actually at saint leo university um came out uh, i graduated in 2011 and 
uh, started fighting pro and had some football and baseball offers and decided that MMA was going to be my my main focus. And I'd already been in jiu-jitsu and everything for a long time. I already had some amateur fights. So um, I knew I wanted to pursue MMA. And I'm like, hey, I just, you know, I'll go be a cop, you know, at the same time. So I'll go get a bachelor's degree and start, you know, I'll work at the sheriff's office and, uh, you know, give me time to fight pro and stay home, stay with my coaches. So uh, started to that to my bachelor's to my master's in business and was like, all right, I'm done with school. I'm, I'm done. I got my master's. I'm all I'm all set. And then a friend of mine uh, kept pushing me and pushing me. And uh, some of the advisors, St. Leo, were telling me about the program and had a lot of, you know, had a really good reputation. So 2020, I, I started that. And uh, so I got about a couple years down and about a year and a half to go. Um, pretty much about to start the dissertation topic. So that'll okay. be my big hurdle in that in that world. So do you plan on making a career out of it or? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm doing my dissertation on law enforcement training. And uh, I just did an article. Um, I talked to you that uh, for USPSA kind of about how competition shooting plays in the law enforcement world and uh which is kind of a small part of my dissertation but uh yeah i'd like to use it uh later on down the road either in working at a university in like a professor type status um or use it like one of the big federal like fletzy or one of those and uh use it for kind of coming up with my own training courses and stuff for you know whether it be local state or or the federal side okay now, why sheriff's office versus police department? Uh, where I'm at in South Florida, it's kind of, I live out in a rural area, so we don't have any PDs even close to us. So when I came okay. out, uh, you know, I was 20 and I just went to the local sheriff's office where my dad used to work and I was like, hey, I want to work here. What do I need to do? <laughs> what, do I, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? So, and I, you know, everybody, yep, they knew me and needed bodies so uh, I, uh, I got started there how are how are you guys getting hit by the shortage down there with, in, with leos uh it's pretty short not as bad as some like of the, the bigger metropolitan areas you know where they just have lost like half their staff um but we're always every agency down here is short they're always understaffed they're always short um you know there's some down here that are as much as 30 something percent short on what their numbers they would like to be for, you know, for law on the law enforcement side, the jails are probably even worse on the correction side. Um, so yeah, we're pretty much anywhere you go they're they're really short and it's, and it's, it's only gotten worse, like especially probably over the last four or five years. So for all the yeah. obvious reasons, really bad the last two to three. <laughs> yep. Really bad. Really yeah. bad. But it's been on for probably four or five. It's been getting just going downhill. So a lot of agencies down here now are starting to try to increase pay. They're doing some different programs. You can everything from daycare mm. programs to BJJ programs to a bunch of stuff that should have been probably incorporated years ago. Um, but unfortunately they're just they're trying to play catch up. So and now they're really the eight ball, so they they gotta they gotta start working on that stuff. And my sister just got promoted to major at the local sheriff's office here, where I'm at. Oh wow, awesome! Okay, she's way up there. She's right below the yeah, 
She's literally right below the sheriff. It's the sheriff mm -hmm. and then the two majors and everybody else. Oh, wow. Okay. So she's, she's yeah, she's right, right there. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's still my little sister, though. She knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. That, that'll never change. <laughs> no, of course not. Mm -hmm. So when did you first shoot a gun? I was probably four. I grew up, my, we grew up in the middle of a big cattle ranch and, hunted hunting and fishing all that was just part of our life so guns were just tools to us back then my dad was a deputy and worked on the ranch so guns were just a part of our life from as long as i can remember i think i got my first one for christmas when i was four so it's wow. uh yeah it's been been around them just my entire life and you didn't even shoot your eye out so that's good no, 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 no. I didn't even shoot my eye out or <laughs> anybody else or. Right. Yeah. Now. Nothing. So did you grow up in South Florida? Yeah, I grew up in South Florida, kind of like the Manatee County, Sarasota County areas. I grew up right on the line of Manatee and Sarasota County, which is about 45 minutes-ish uh, south of Tampa. Yeah, I'm always. This episode is brought to you by Laser App. L-A-S-R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient, and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned, Semper Fi, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell cert guns and the CERT AR Bolt, so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. Seeing stuff about the um, invasive snakes down there, have you seen a huge uptake where you're at? No, we're a little farther north than that. They're huge in the glades in Miami. Um, I mean, they're huge there. They have like the the competitions where they go out and hunt them and do all that kind of craziness. I know some guys have went down there and, and done that. Um, uh, all my time, I, I've i seen one on the ranch. We had one big Burmese python that was, which one of us someone let that go. I, I doubt it came all the way up here from down south. I think that might just been someone else's pet. They just happened to let go out here. But it was in our cows and slithering through probably, probably a good nine foot. So it was a big snake. Be it a good time to break out the old 10 mic mic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 10 <laughs> mic mic a lot of work on snakes out here, especially we have big rattlesnakes. You know, we got our big eastern diamondbacks, and we have a ton of pygmy rattlesnakes, and of course, some moccasins as well. So, yeah, those are the ones I don't like. Those moccasins, I'm not a fan of any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd rather not have any close encounters, but I feel like especially moccasins. <laughs> exactly they're a little bit more aggressive mm -hmm. yeah they're bad they're bad news so 
duck hunting, especially down here in the swamps. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta keep oh, an eye I, out. Yeah, 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 between the moccasins and the gators. Yeah. Yeah, I'd much rather deal with the gators. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. a little easier to see coming. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not laying coiled up in your duck blind when you're trying to slip in before dark, to, before daylight to put your uh, decoys in. Holy cow. Yeah, that that's not a good feeling. That'll yeah, make you have to change your britches real quick. Yeah, I blew a hole in one of our duck blinds one time because of that. My dad was real too. My dad wasn't proud of me. <laughs> but, like, At least he didn't put a hole in the in the if it was on a boat on a boat, you know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't a boat. That was good. I was walking in my duck blind and we had just built and I'm like, I ain't I ain't shooting him out. I'm like <laughs> Oh wow. So how do you go from shooting a gun at four to shooting, you said you got your start in three gun to then USPSA? So when I, I started USPSA, um, maybe two years ago, something like that. And I did very, like I hadn't shot a lot of majors. I just kind of started shooting our local club match with Kyle and uh, some of the other guys I just had. Um, some buddies that I talked about it and I went and shot some local three guns and really enjoyed it. And, uh, just, I always loved shooting like, you know, outside, just even hunting and that kind of stuff. I always had my own range at the ranch where I grew up. I'd go out there all the time and just shoot for fun. Um, so it was always a huge hobby and I'm like, man, I want to do this more. And then I went into competition, had three gun. I'm like, this is awesome. But you know, three guns hard to travel for, hard to find time. I found like this little local USPSA you know club down the road from me, and I'm like, this is awesome. I can go shoot once a week. Uh, so on, we have a little mini match every Monday night, and then just started shooting those more. And they're like, hey, you should try you know try this competition, try this competition. And I just started now getting getting a lot more into it. Of course, with time, I mean, if I'm not getting ready for a fight, I got a lot more time on my hands. So uh, and I do a lot of traveling and training on the MMA side. So. I started just kind of linking that that my hunting travels to around USPSA matches too. So it's been a lot of a lot just a lot of fun. I really enjoy it and plan on doing a lot more of it in the future. Now I feel like between full time work, being a student, um, sorry, my great Dane's here. He's I like putting <laughs> putting his nose up here. Um, so between full-time work, training jujitsu stuff, trying to get ready, you know, trying to do stuff with fights and everything else, how much time do you have to dedicate to shooting? Uh, luckily I got a lot more now just because, um, work has kind of transferred more into an advisory and consulting type role. Um, and I'm in kind of a new element there, so I'm not even really full time. Uh, I kind of took a step towards, you know, I just turned 30, so I knew, you know, there's a shelf life in MMA. So I've been doing mm -hmm. it for a really long time. I've been in and out in school, but I'm at that point now where it's like, you know, you're, it's not when you're going to get hurt, it's, or if you're going to get hurt, it's when and how bad. And, you know, you don't know how long your longevity is there. So I'm at the point now to where I kind of had to make a choice of, are you going to walk away? Because if you're taking this next step up in this world, you know, it's, it's pretty much got to be more of a full-time job. So that's pretty much now what is my full-time gig. So, um, 
So that gave me a lot more time for shooting, which is awesome. So that's why in the last year or so, I've actually got to go and shoot a lot more USPSA and, and do all that kind of uh, good stuff there because I can do my homework from the laptop anywhere I go, from hotel rooms, from traveling. And, you know, MMA is I usually have a lift in the morning or some type of cardio session. And, uh, you know, you sprinkle some boxing practice in there, some gi, jiu-jitsu stuff in there um, because – We'll get to it in a minute, but my coaches made me go all the way back to a white belt because I had been given a black before. I had to go all the way back to a white belt when I <laughs> knew coaches. So uh, oh, that Lord. was an experience. So throwing a lot of more gi, jiu-jitsu in there, mixing some judo in, mixing some wrestling in, and then, of course, my main MMA practice. So um, as crazy as it sounds, it's you know it's not an eight-hour day. It's close to it. So I had all these times in between, and can kind of make my own schedule – with training and stuff like that. So I started blending shooting in more and more. And now it's a it's a main component. Plus, I'm really fortunate because I live on eight acres and I have my own gun range that's mm. in my backyard. So now I've got a chance to go practice. I mean, if I got half an hour, I can literally go a couple hundred yards down and I'm on my range where I've got a bunch of steel and pretty much a full range where you could set up a pretty decent size USPSA size stage. So nice. Yeah, that's. I believe they call that cheating. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I but think like so. they say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So it's right, all good. Right, not trying. <laughs> and I'm lucky. Yeah. I got a lot of really good shooters around me that come out and shoot with me and stuff. So his last like year, like I made a lot of big improvements and stuff. Being around, like we got, you know, sometimes our match we have four GMs there, and I mean, you got, you know, we got Kyle, we got a buddy of mine, Les uh, Pepperoni, who's you know got. IDPA national championships. He's a USBSA GM for years. Uh, another friend wow. of ours, Matt Olinchek's a GM in like four different divisions. He's there. Got our buddy Ian, who's right down the road, McPherson, who comes in. He's an open GM. So you can't, if you just go there and listen and spend some time around these guys, you're, you're going to get a lot better. Pick so. some things up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's been happening over the last year or so. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But it also makes sense now, too, that when I was asking about the PhD and what you wanted to do with it, um, it's because of knowing that you're a fighter. And I actually had a question I was going to ask you about that. And you've kind of, eh, I guess, in a way answered it. Um, and we'll, we'll get there. But I see now where you're looking after the fight life, mm -hmm. then you would have that to fall back on. So I'm tracking. Yeah, that's always been a big theme of mine. It's I've seen a lot of my buddies who are really, really good that were making a lot of money really young, but not money you can live off the rest of your life. So um, a lot of guys that, you know, get their MCL tour, their ACL tour, or something even worse, or a neck injury, and then they're done, you know, or at least done for a long time, or they come back and they're never the same. Um, right. It's a brutal sport. You know, just the training, you get hurt in training so often. I just sprained my neck again. This is like the third time in the last – probably a year that I've sprained my neck, so I've really been watching it um, and other issues because the only way to get in shape to fight is you got to fight. So, I mean, you can run, you can do all that. All those are supplemental to it, though. If you're not in there and you're not doing hard rounds and you're not bringing, like, our Shark Tank, like, if people that send that on my Instagram all the time, they're like, why is these guys coming in fresh? And I'm like, it's, I mean, it's called Shark Tank. It's pretty common. You know, you're going to get three, four, five guys, and every time – they're going to put you in a bad position if you get out of it, and here comes another one. You're doing that for, you know, a couple times a week on top of all your other regular, you know, maybe sparring and grappling and all that kind of good stuff. And 
as dangerous as jiu-jitsu can be. You know, you can do it if you have good training partners. You can relatively be safe about it. I mean, there's always a risk of injury, but if you got good training sure. partners, it's, you know, it's, it, it's relatively safe. There's not a super-duper high risk of injury until you get into, like, competition and stuff like that, or there's money on the line. That's a little different story, but... I mean, we talk about MMA, and you got four ounce gloves. Why they got headgear on? Which we're I'm trained by Brazilians, so I don't we don't wear headgear, we don't wear any of that. We wear four ounce gloves for sparring. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have shin pads, some knee pads, some elbow pads, and it's it's go, and uh, it's like that all the time. So, you know, the injuries just alone in training alone are 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 there. So, you got to be smart about it and pick your time and. And go after it because you just never know when you're going to be when you're going to be done. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. I mean, there's a short shelf life for. There are a few that have fought, you know, you know later into their years, Anderson Silva, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. that's that's even him. I mean, he he peaked, and then you know you might hang around and do well, but you're not still at that very right. highest level. So yeah, even guys like Glover, who you know. Good guy, great guy. I mean, he didn't walk into the UFC till he was 33, 34, something like that. So, I mean, though know, he's 42 now and was just a champ, and he's still an amazing fighter. Um, you know, he's 33, 34, and he walked in the UFC. You know, you look at my good buddy, Jock Ray Souza, who, you know, we're fortunate enough to learn so much of and get to train with him a lot. Um, you know, he's 40, 41 now, or 42. Same thing. He came to MMA later on, even though he's really well known he was a strike force champ and all of his you know great battles he's defeated four or five former ufc champs at middleweight alone so uh i mean he's the man he's and he's one of the best if not best overall grappler that's ever lived he's a adcc no gi champ and he's a ibjjf gi champ and there's not a lot of guys that are that good in both to be world champs in those and he's done it multiple times um you know he was a jiu-jitsu guy before and then and then kind of came in late and you know, it's, they say the same thing. You know, it's it's it's, it's a window. It's, it's a window. So yeah, it's, it's going to catch up to you eventually. Absolutely. Yeah. When when I remember when Jacare first came in, and I didn't I didn't like watching his fights because I was like, if he gets a hold of you, there's no, it's over. Yeah, you're done. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, uh, it's I know the end. As soon as I see him grab a hold of somebody, I'm like, it's it's over. And sure enough, every time he grab a hold of somebody, it's like, holy cow, this is ridiculous. And that's where you know the nickname came from. You know, Jacare in Portuguese is obviously Gator. And when he grabs right. you, it's like Gator grabbing you ain't getting loose. And he is so strong in this day. I mean, he was up here with us a week or two ago. And man, when he, you know, he grabs a hold of something and your arm and your grip you're just like it feels like a bear is grabbing you it doesn't even feel like a human being and i've had some big strong guys grab me i mean that guy's grabs you and his and his technique is so flawless he's so frustrating because even if you are younger or, you know maybe a hair faster got a leg up in the athletic athleticism arena of him he's just so technically good you know you gotta he's just it's like just playing chess with a the ultimate grandmaster. He just knows what you're going to do before you know what you're going to do. So, you know, even black, uh, I mean, high level black belts, he does that too. You know, he just, it's like, makes you feel like a kid sometimes. So his, uh, his jiu-jitsu is nothing short of, nothing short of amazing. Yeah. I'm, and I've only seen him from far, but yeah, you can, there's no doubt that he is one of the, 
greatest grapplers that's been in MMA for sure. Yeah, hands down. And and don't underestimate that guy has some power in those hands. He he front kicked me one time, and I was pretty <laughs> sure I felt my spine. Like I'm like, did he crack my did my lower back crack? Like he just straight front kicked me in a, in a sparring session, and I'm like. I think my back cracked. He kicked me so so hard. <laughs> um, well, and 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 you could see his progression oh, in yeah. MMA as his striking got better. Then you're like, oh crap! He can jack you up on the feet, and if he gets you hurt, even if he, you know, he may not want to knock you out. He may then just, you know, get you hurt on the feet and then take you down or or knock you out, whichever it is. Yeah, you saw when he knocked out Weidman that time. I mean, Chris is a super tough guy and. Yeah, got a hell of a chin, and you know, just a great fighter, former champion. Obviously, he knocked out Anderson Silva. He's the one that ended Anderson Silva's reign at middleweight, and then beat him yep. a second after Anderson broke his leg. You know, Chris is an amazing fighter. Always been a huge fan of his. And Jockery just put him. I mean, I mean, put him to sleep, and he just walks over. And I'm like, I remember asking him. And he was just like, Yeah. He, he's like, I just. I, he's like, I, and one thing that a lot of people don't know is, Chris was actually bleeding out of the ear. He hit him so hard. Like, he ended up being and stuff, but he had blood in his ear when the doctor checked him that Jock Ray hit him so hard. So, and a lot of that's from Coach Shostaki, who is a famous um, MMA and boxing coach at Brazil. I've got to work with him a bunch when he's in the States. Um, he's one of Jock Ray's uh, main coaches and head coaches. And uh, he was a boxer actually before and helped coach the Olympic team and stuff like that over there. So, He's been Jacare's hands coach for for years, and you can see if you look back to the old jungle fight days in Brazil, uh, when he actually fought my coach's coach uh, Macaco back in Brazil, you can see him. He doesn't even look like the same fighter. If you fast forward to like when he's in the UFC fighting Brunson or any of those guys, it looks like doesn't even look like the same fighter. Interesting. Was that shoot a box or? Yep, shoot a box. Yep, yep. Okay. Yep, yep, yeah. The shoot a box is uh, Makako. That's my coach, Kaka Lima. Um, okay. He's uh, that's he was one of Charles LeBronx's and all those boys' original MMA coach back in the day. He was actually Makako's um, first black belt ever, um, and he's my coach. He's my head coach now and my jiu-jitsu coach. So he's the one that made me go all the way back to white belt and said, if you're going to be a Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu black belt under us, you're going to do it the right way and – um, cause I was mainly a no gi guy and that kind of stuff anyway. Um, so he, I went back, um, I had one of my buddies here. That's also a jujitsu guy, really, really good practitioner. Um, clay that got me into wearing a gi and I went all the way back down to white belt and I've progressed all the way up through now back under, uh, Kaka for Brown and, um, getting my black here soon. We've got to figure out the ceremony if we're going to do it. I really thought it would be cool to do it back in Brazil, um, in the old shooter box area. I would really like to do that. So we just got to figure some logistics on that. It's obviously a huge deal, so we're taking our time um, with that. But I gotta—I've been following those guys for years, so to get to actually be a part of that team and train with those guys and be around all of them was like—it's—it's it's still surreal. Some days, like when Coach picks up me, like after Charles won the belt and we're sitting in my living room just you know facetimes charles and they're telling the bronx you know congratulations and blah 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 and he's giving me a thumbs up and like oh yeah i saw your knockout the other day good job on your last fight and it's like 
This is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. These guys are legends. That's you know? surreal. I, yeah, it's surreal. So, yeah, I've been been super fortunate to have some unreal coaches and, and training partners. So, Wow. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that some more because I can, I can talk that all night long. Oh, yeah. um, now, your shooting production in mm-hmm. USPSA and, and what what yeah, I may have asked you, I don't recall what gun are you using in production? Uh now I was shooting my old duty gun. That's how I got into I was just shooting two two six and I'm a big two two six fan. Um okay. now that I started I used to just use USPSA as a way to like just practice. Um but now I enjoy it so much and you know I, I think it is hands down the best handgun like action shooters in the world are in USPSA. You know, guys like you know, Kyle are just mind boggling how fast they are. Then you get around like guys like JJ, you're like, this is unbelievable. So especially even coming from the tactical world, being fortunate enough to train with some of the super high end guys. Um it's a different it's just a different level. It's like like I tell people like same thing with MMA. It's like, you know, law enforcement, military like operators kinda have to be really, really good at everything. Kinda like uh kind of like a decathlete in the Olympics, but then there's sprinters and everything that we do. And, you know, as far as handgun shooting goes, the high-end USPSA guys would be like the caliber of your Olympic, you know, sprinters. You know, I might be a decathlete in the Olympics, but if I go against an Olympic sprinter, I'm going to get smoked. So mm-hmm. you better, you better, if you want to get better at that aspect, you better go learn from those guys. So that's kind of what USPSA is for me and being all those guys. So now I've switched it up. I've kind of more geared towards USPSA, so I'm running a – Run the CZ Shadow too now. Uh, one okay. Of the models, so. Okay. So I assume that's what you shot at nationals then. It is. Yeah. The, okay. So you've been shooting for two years. At what? I guess you said what? You got into it serious about a year and a half ago. Got serious about it. Yeah. What are your? Yeah. Was that your first nationals? That was my second. I uh, made a mistake of bringing my TRP to one of the single stack nationals, and it was before they changed the weight, and it was overweight, so I got bumped <laughs> to open. Open, um, yeah. I, I, but yeah, that so that was uh, that's gonna be my second nationals. So it was the only thing I was classified in. Um, I was, and uh, I also shot. Oh, I'm sorry, that was my third. I shot limited the weekend before. Um, oh, okay. Well. But, so I love shooting my limited guns. And um, that's kind of my favorite to shoot. Um, I just went and shot uh, limited the weekend before. Came back up and shot production. So technically, it was my it was my third, but that whole week kind of blends together. So right. A lot of sh- <laughs> now, so what did you shoot at limited then? Uh, I shot an Axiom Custom uh, 2011 and 40. So I shoot oh, major. Okay. Or shooting with Kyle and stuff and shooting the Axioms um, uh, for art. Uh, you know, our gun guy, he's uh, started Axiom Customs and now he's kind of gotten out of it. He's got a lot of other lucrative uh, job offers and kind of the shop job shop world. So he's kind of taken a step away from the um, from the limited guns and, and the guns in general. But he built some really, really awesome open and limited guns on 2011 frames. So are they the ones that sponsor you? Uh, I was shooting with them before now, but now I'm uh, going to be shooting with uh, 
our barbecue guy, Bobby there, that's doing that. And really, with him, yeah, because he's he's going to be into it more. He's going to be USPSA's kind of official go-to guy for all the nationals and big matches. So uh, he's nice enough to get some sponsor to get sponsor spots through him and uh, Hunter's Gold, of course. Everybody knows and loves Brian. Brian, yeah. Um, some of my MMA companies that I've had for a while kind of are looking to branch into the shooting. And so kind of combining both right now. And then I kind of plan on doing the same thing on the shooting side as being like, Hey, you know, we got, we got a lot of cross appeal between these two worlds. So um, doing the same thing on the, on the shooting side as well. Oh, that's pretty cool. So now, uh, see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How did you enjoy um, nationals? I had a great time. I always love going out and shooting. I mean, no one's shooting at me, so I know I'm going to have a good time even if I screw up or the gun screws up. I had some issues at Limited and some ammo that I messed up on that definitely took me out of the runnings for any of the Limited stuff that I was kind of counting on. That's kind of like my main go-to uh, now is I really like shooting Limited. Um, so that I'm like, oh, well, I know that's kind of do, does my weekend in as far as any kind of you know, high finishes for, for my class and stuff for B, but I'm like, oh, I'll still have a good time. And I mean, I'm out there shooting. So if you're having a bad time, you're probably just not thinking about it the right way. So I had a, I had a great time at both nationals. It's always cool to see people you might only see up there. Like in my short time, I've already met a lot of people and look forward to meeting them up there. And they're from all different parts of the country and, you know, going out to dinner with them and hanging out. So and then, of course, I'm all my buddies from down here, like Kyle and all that go up. We all get to hang out and have a good time. So I, I had a great time on both nationals. It's like party weeks. Yeah. 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 Can't it's beat just, that. Can't be that. So did you, at production nationals, did you expect to finish as high as you did? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I had a... I'm trying to remember how I got classified in production. I think I went to a, another major um, and had shot it and just had a terrible day and uh, went to a couple of other classifiers. I wanted to get bumped, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been shooting with a lot of really, really good guys over this last year or so, um, especially the last, like, six to eight months now that I've had time to shoot a lot more than I have. I mean, I've probably shot more rounds in the last – six eight months and i had is my entire life coming up so it's been a you know I, I wanted to see that was my goal was to was to definitely win my class and see that progression and then just keep building up from there as i i go so like i said i'm lucky i got sometimes four gms to hang out with and shoot with on my local matches so i just always watch and learn and ask questions and figure out ways to get better so well well i hope you have an ammo or bullet sponsor I'm work. Yeah, I, a lot of that was, uh, yeah, a lot of that was uh, stuff from work and um, other stuff I bought. But yeah, now that's definitely going to be my new go-to because I'm shooting a lot more rounds than I did before. It's like, oh, before it's like, oh man, a thousand rounds. I'm like, yeah, I got a ton of ammo now. It's like, I'm, I'm down to a thousand. Like, I got to hurry up and, and get right. some. Like, I'm, I'm only down to a thousand rounds. So, I better, I better get online and hit someone up and get some ammo and or buy some because I'm a I'm getting low. <laughs> now, do you, uh, it sounded like you load 40. So, no, I, 
so that's one thing I still have to get into is my is my reloading. Um, I want to, um, but Kyle and some of the other guys that load, I'll either skim off of them or uh, for nationals. I shot uh, for limited and production. I shot Superville, so I just ordered up them and got with Kenzie and she's got a good discount code, you know. So I just got with Kenzie and ordered up use her discount code and um ordered up a bunch of supervel and it's been running awesome so uh do not have time worked in for reloading yet maybe in the future but i'm going to be sticking with factor for a while because i don't think i got the time to mix in the reloading uh that would cut into a lot of the shooting time i have so i think i'll stick with the factory for now or skim it off for the guys who really know what they're doing yeah, I mean, unless you've got like a fifteen hundred dollar system that's automated, it's it's takes some time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. so, what are your goals in shooting? Uh, I, you know, cool thing about shooting is, um, you know, obviously MMA, I can always do for the rest of my life, but I'm not going to be competing the rest of my life. I mean, maybe in jujitsu, but I can always at least teach. But there's something different about actually going to competing and trying to compete and not just being an instructor. So I'll always be in a gi, I'll always be grappling, I'll always be doing that. At least I plan to. Um, but shooting, you know, you can do the rest of your life in competition. So um, I just want to every year bump up a new class and just keep getting, you know, winning in my class. And once I get to that class, take the next step up, the next class, and work my way all the way up through to, to GM and just – keep going from there so so any um are you trying to win a national championship maybe go to world shoot what yeah all that i mean everything on the boat okay. much i got um you know like january i'm shooting uh the ipsic um there it's not the pan-american games there's a pan-american competition going on and it's in Florida. It's uh, in Volusia County, I think, is the range it's at. So I'm going to that, uh, IDPA State, and then USPSA, Florida State, all within the same week. So that'll be a busy... Oh, goodness. That, yeah, they all, they're all... You know, the USPSA is like the 27th in Florida, Florida State, and IDPA State's like the 20th, and then the IPSC is the 26th, 27th, but they have a pre-match we can shoot on like the 24th and 25th, so... I'm shooting pretty much that entire week, entire week. So, um, and that'll be so that'll be my first IPSC competition uh, I've ever done. So that should be a good time. And then uh, I got a couple other IDPA ones scheduled too to to try that out and see how that goes with the different rule sets and whole different lot of stuff to learn there too. So, but I just enjoy shooting. So I'll go to any competition and give me a bowling pin competition. I don't care one of the old school ones. I'd go and have fun so uh, but yeah definitely goal is just to bump up in the class and then that year focus on it and compete for a national championship in that class and then you know if you get it great if not hopefully shoot good enough to throughout that year to get bumped up to the next level and just keep working up to working up to gm from there slowly and surely yeah shooting is shooting and it's all fun so i totally <laughs> get that regardless of discipline you're going to need a lot of ammo that week though yeah, I'm going to need a lot of ammo that week. <laughs> we need a lot of ammo uh, for that week and the rest of the year alone. So, Now, have you chatted up any of the other Leos who are into shooting Kodiaks and Matt Nash? 
any uh, of I've those guys? Meet, I've got to meet a decent amount of them. Um, until recently, like, you know, with me being a narcotics guy, mainly, I didn't really stand out as I didn't look like a Leo. So I don't think a lot of people were coming up and being like, oh, are you, you law enforcement was that hair down my back and <laughs> right. Weird. So I didn't really scream, hey, I'm a cop. Uh, let's chat because we can usually pick each other out in a crowd half the time, you know, anyway. So, um, but yeah, I've got to meet um, a couple of the guys at Nationals and saw and it's, it's awesome to see them out doing that. And um, the article I just wrote was about how USPSA can benefit um, law enforcement and how I wish it was a bigger part and kind of how the two worlds can combine and kind of help each other out. So uh, I would love to see more law enforcement and stuff uh get into it yeah i think military and law enforcement both would benefit greatly from and it's funny because i spent my time i spent nine and a half years in the marine corps and everything when i was in like i was on the marine corps rifle team in 90 everything pistol uh, and rifle was all nra bullseye shooting and now i see that they're doing a lot more action shooting stuff, which I mm -hmm. think also translates into what their real job is. Right. Much more than bullseye shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the same way for law enforcement. Like, you know, we always stand mm -hmm. stagnant. We shoot at, you know, three feet, three yards, seven yards, 15 yards, do a couple of reloads, shoot around maybe a post or something and we're done. Um, you know how that is. That's not the way it happens in our life. So um, USPSA is super underrated, I think, as far as like the stress inoculation you get. You're shooting in front of your buddies or whoever, or people you don't know, which is always stressful. I mean, it's not the same way of the stress you get if bullets are coming the wrong way, but it's still stress inoculation. It puts you under that. It puts you on a clock. Um, you're shooting on the move. You're solving problems because no one holds still ever. And you're trying to go around stuff. You're trying to look in between, and you're and you're sometimes you're doing math with stage plans and having to remember all this while under stress. I think it's just fantastic training. I mean, other than in the real world, you're probably realistically going to have to break the three, you know, the 180. And right, you know, of course, you may not run by a target in the wide open. You may not stand in the middle. You may you know do some pieing and other stuff. But other than a few of those aspects, I mean, almost every aspect is applicable and it it would make you better um you know a lot of the tactical guys are like you know hey i yeah i don't go shoot that it's gonna it's gonna give me bad habits well it's probably the issues with your tactics it's not the fact that you're out shooting competition because if you want to shoot it in the come you know you want to shoot it in the tactical style then go do it there's no rule that says in uspsa you got to shoot a stage in a certain way so if you want to go lean around you want to shoot them as you see them you want you want to shoot them close to far or you know whatever your whatever your things will benefit your tactics then then go do it i just think it's uh a lot of times you know it's a it's a timing issue it's a money issue and uh there's you know a lot of other issues go into it but the fact that they think it'll not help their tactics is not true at all and in my opinion and most of the instructors and the guys i've really got a good you know relationship with like dave benton um you know was boone from you know benghazi he's one of the benghazi CIA, GRS heroes, you know, along with Tonto and those guys. He was one of the guys, that, you know, one of those heroes from that day. I've been fortunate enough to have him as one of my instructors. And, uh, I mean, obviously this guy is on the mecca of 
tactical training. You know, he was a you know Marine Force Recon, I believe, Marine for a long time, and on um, and then comes out and he's a GRS, you know, guy, CIA contractor, been all over the world, done tours all over the world, everything from protection to an assaulter to all these different. He's just a guru of tactics. I mean, there's no other way to put him. And uh, he talks about you know the benefits that competition give you and how good competition shooters are and how and he's asking questions about it and uh, he's went out himself and shot some competition I know as well too just to hone his skills and learn so um, that right there you know that's obviously someone who knows way about the tactical world than I am he's that's why he's my instructor so I like you know even from the tactical side listen to someone like him talk about it. And he'll tell you the benefits of, of competition, so that's all that's all I need to hear. How much do those types of people, uh, or how much will they influence your dissertation? A, a lot. That's kind of what my dissertation is on. Um, you know, I've had some, there's some really, really great guys that I've worked with them before that are, if your family calls 911, that's, that's who you want to show up. They're just, they're great guys. And there's others that are been there for a long time or in instructor positions or in uh, leadership roles that I would not want to be the ones that answer a call for 911. And it's really, really inconsistent. And uh, so that's kind of what my dissertation is, is tackling is how to, mm. how can we in training improve upon those, those issues? Because, you know, forget the media because the media doesn't cover anything good us ever pretty much ever i mean all you see is like you validate and stuff like that i mean that's a terrible example but that's an example of um bad tactics and bad training and uh, numerous other issues that we can go on to all day about that right um, you know you don't see the you know he's had a shooting here the other day on a guy where uh, you know a friend of mine was involved and got you know in between a guy with a knife and domestic and got cut but you know was able to stop the threat and have really good tactics and save people of course that's probably made a quick blurb on the local news and that's all you'll ever hear about it so there's there's way more good than there is bad but there's enough bad and inconsistencies and lack of training out there that it, it needs to be addressed big time uh, across the nation on the state and local side especially so yeah i almost feel like until next time don't be a little bitch yeah